uh, I predict that it will come to forcible injection. They're going to take it this far. Um. Hi, Grant Edwards from Liberty NZ. The most highly cited physician on the early treatment of COVID-19 has come out with an explosive new video that blows the lid off the medical establishment's complicity in the unnecessary deaths of tens of thousands of Americans. Dr. Peter McCullough said these deaths have been facilitated by a false narrative bent on pushing an all-new unproven vaccine for a disease that was highly treatable. He said COVID was a bioweapon, and the vaccines represent phase two of that bioweapon. As this, in a sense, bioterrorism phase one was rolled out, it was really all about keeping the population in fear and in isolation and preparing them to accept the vaccine, which appears to be phase two of a bioterrorism operation. McCullough said in a June 11th webinar with German attorney Rainer Filmich and several other doctors. He noted both the respiratory virus and the vaccine delivered to the human body the spike protein, the gain-of-function target of this bioweapon research. Most of McCullough's comments come within the first 10 minutes of the video you're about to hear. On this entire situation, we know that a lot of doctors have sort of changed their mind over time because they began to understand that some there's a lot of evidence that points in the direction that there really is no actual pandemic, but there is something else going on. Um, What do you think of what's going on? Well, my uh, quick analysis is um, uh, I believe that we're under the application of a form of bioterrorism that's worldwide um, that appears to have been many years in the planning. And the the first wave of the bioterrorism is a respiratory virus that uh, uh, spread across the world and affected relatively few people, about 1% of of many populations, but um, generated great fear. Uh, The virus was responsible for some deaths uh, in the very frail and elderly, um, but in, in, you know, otherwise well people, it was like having the common cold. But that fear uh, was used very quickly, and I think surprisingly to generate um, tremendous influences in in human life at lockdowns, all the things you know about. Mm -hmm. And every single thing that was done in the public health response to the pandemic uh, made it worse. Uh, So over testing and, um, uh, you know, even lockdowns probably made it worse because the virus uh, evolved over time to become more contagious. And so every single response uh, made it worse. How I got involved is as a doctor, uh, I thought the virus was going to be pretty easy to treat once we understood there were three phases, the viral replication, cytokine storm, and thrombosis. And so as I promulgated uh, early treatment, um, I I started to meet resistance at all levels in terms of actually treating patients and then uh, publishing uh, papers. And so I'm the editor of two major, major journals. I'm in the business of publishing. So fortunately, I had enough publication strength to uh, publish the, basically the only two papers in the entire medical literature that teaches doctors how to treat COVID-19 at home to prevent hospitalization and death. And we did the best we could without any funding or government support. And we demonstrated that, that it results in about an 85% reduction in hospitalization and death. So what we had discovered is that the suppression um, of early treatment was tightly linked to the development of a vaccine. And the entire 
um, program as this, uh, in a sense, bioterrorism phase one was rolled out, was really all about keeping the population um, so, uh, in fear and in isolation and preparing them to accept the vaccine, which appears to be phase two of a bioterrorism operation. Both the respiratory virus and the vaccine uh, deliver to the human body uh, the spike protein, the, the uh, gain-of-function target of this bioterrorism research. Now, I can't come out and say all that on national TV uh, today or at any time, but what we had learned over time is that we could no longer communicate with government agencies. We actually couldn't even communicate with um, our propagandized colleagues and major medical centers, all of which appear to be under a spell, they, uh, almost as if they're hypnotized right now. And uh, doctors, good doctors are doing unthinkable things like injecting biologically active messenger RNA that produces this pathogenic spike protein into pregnant women. Uh, I, I think when the doctors wake up from their trance, they're going to be shocked um, to, to think what they've done uh, to people. And so our strategy was to organize. Uh, there are many groups. Um, uh, one group in the United States called C19 that I organized. Uh, many of you get these emails. It's about a thousand people. Another one's called FLCCC, Frontline Critical Care Consortium. Another worldwide one is called Panda. You may be involved in that. There's also Heart and Bird and COVID Medical Network, uh, Treatment Domiciliary in Italy. It's gotten to the point where people have rallied in the UK and in Germany to rally for early treatment. Uh, governor, uh, governments have actually tried to block even any single milligram of uh, treatment to, to um, uh, individuals. And so we decided by the summer we had to take our message to the people. Uh, we had one physician association that worked with us called the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. We created a home patient guide. Uh, we organized the United States into uh, uh, four national telemedicine services, 15 regional services. Uh, we uh, broke through to the people. And the people who got sick with COVID-19 called in, got medications prescribed to local pharmacies or to uh, mail order distribution pharmacies. And so it, without the government really even understanding what was going on, we crushed the uh, epidemic curve in the United States towards the end of December and January. We basically took care of the pandemic with about 500 doctors and telemedicine services. And to this day, we treat about 25% of the U.S. COVID-19 population that actually are at high risk over age 50 with medical problems or present with severe symptoms. And we've basically handled the pandemic. And at the same time, we've tried to uh, keep ourselves above the uh, political fray. And we understand the suppression of early treatment is tightly linked to vaccination. And then we've let all the news on vaccination come out and um, are working to um, change uh, the public view of the vaccine, to, the public initially accepted the vaccine, and we had to kind of slowly turn the ship. And now in the United States, rates of vaccination have been dropping since April 8th. They continue to drop every day. The vaccine centers that I go by are completely empty. And in the United States, they're becoming desperate to try to convince uh, individuals to get a vaccine. They're offering million-dollar lotteries. Um, uh, the, uh, all the universities who are trying to force vaccination are receiving resistance. I'm the lead expert in the Bellwether uh, Houston Methodist case, which is currently being argued before a judge in Texas. It's going to be quickly escalated to the Supreme Court uh, of Texas, where Houston Methodist Hospital, a leading hospital, is attempting to force the employees to receive the vaccine. 
And uh, we already have word that it's going to be escalated to the Supreme Court case. It'll be a high, very high visibility case. So we have a lot of activity going on in the United States. Um, uh, the, uh, we are uh, engaging more and more attorneys. It's great to have uh, you and your team involved um, you know, on the international level. And I, I imagine we're aligned on almost all the things I said. Yeah. Uh, let me quickly translate, um, but uh, give us a chance because I, I don't want to be rude, but I for completely forgot to introduce you because I thought that everybody knows you. I think most people well, do. But please tell us a little about right. uh, your so, background. So let me introduce myself. I'm Peter McCullough. I'm an, uh, a professor of medicine at Texas A&M College of Medicine on the Baylor Dallas campus. Um, I practice internal medicine and cardiology. When the pandemic hit, I refocused all of my efforts on COVID-19. I'm the editor of Reviews in Cardiovascular Medicine. I'm the editor of Cardiorenal Medicine. This is my area of research. Senior Associate Editor of American Journal of Cardiology. I'm the president of the Cardiorenal Society. And in my field about heart and kidney connections, I'm the most published person in my field in the world in history. And I have developed a great experience in treating COVID-19 I've published the two major treatment papers, and I've led the early treatment initiative in the United States. So uh, I have, whether people like it or not, I have uh, uh, declared my medical authority in doing this uh, to a greater extent than anybody in public health agencies or any other media doctors. Thank you so much. Uh, we, uh, we can sure as hell be glad that you're on our side. Um, extremely grateful. Okay, I'm going to translate this. So it appears that in the United States, at least, uh, things are really changing right now. I, I, we've, we, we've clearly had an impact. Uh, I'm in Texas, where we never underwent lockdown. I was a strong proponent of us staying open. Uh, we had 35 uh, uh, treating uh, doctors who are willing to uh, go against their medical centers and treat patients. We... Um, We're able to convince our governor to uh, put an executive order uh, recognizing natural immunity, uh, uh, banning any vac mandatory vaccines by um, uh, public agencies, banning vaccine passports, banning any discrimination on passports. We recently passed uh, similar legislation for private employers. However, we were unable to get in uh, a ban on private employers mandating the vaccine <coughs> so that part is going to be um, litigated uh, with the Houston Methodist Bellwether case. We're very active. We have the American Frontline Doctors as another group that has a temporary restraining order in against pediatric vaccination filed in Alabama. And we have uh, cases filed um, in uh, um, the state of Maine against uh, uh, false, falsely coding um, the test results are positive uh, on inflating the number of cases and deaths. We have um, uh, a variety of activities. We have uh, allies in Washington, Senator Ron Johnson and Senator Rand Paul. Uh, we have allies in the media, uh, largely Fox News and Real News um, and uh, OAN. We don't yet have CNN or MSNBC But the C-19 group that I loosely formed, we now are on national TV almost every night in the United States to provide a, a counter viewpoint uh, to, to Anthony Fauci and Walensky at the CDC and NIH. And, and we bring on different experts and continue to uh, 
appear to the American people that we have more scientific credibility than the agencies. And why do you think that is, that this, uh, you know, this window of opportunity has opened for you to be on, on national TV? I mean, that's quite something. I mean, here, this, at this point, you know, this is impossible, basically. Well, we had some help in the media. We had some open-eyed people who were willing to give some high-level interviews. We have uh, good social media contacts all over the world that really amplified things. Um, Although we're consistently shut down on Twitter and YouTube, we've, we continue to find new strategies to uh, get the points out. We're very evidence-based. Um, you know, the United States, uh, we're a whole country of rebels and people who want to break the law. And, and uh, you know, that's who we are. And so we have, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Children's Health Defense Fund, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Uh, Dell Bigtree, we have some very big figures. I mean, we've had Senator Rand Paul come out and say, listen, I'm not taking the vaccine. I've, I've had COVID-19. So did Senator Johnson. Sebastian Gorka, who interviewed me, um, he was used to be in the uh, Trump administration. He interviewed me. He's going to come out on Sunday night and say he took hydroxychloroquine and defeated COVID-19 in December. He's not taking the vaccine. So, um, you know, we have to have people be making these public statements. Uh, um, uh, um, Uh, uh, you know, with, uh, on, uh, for instance, on, um, on uh, Real TV with Dan Ball coming up in a few hours, uh, he's going to come on and say he's not taking the vaccine. Uh, we've helped uh, shut down the uh, Los Angeles School District from mandating the vaccine. His kids go to school there. They've backed off on the mandates. So we're working very hard. This is the strategy. We know that this is bioterrorism. We know that this is phase two of bioterrorism, and we know we don't know who's behind it, but we know that they want a needle in every arm to inject messenger RNA or adenoviral DNA into every human being. They want every human being. Our goal is we can't stop from everybody, but our goal is to get a large group that they cannot get to, that they cannot vaccinate. And uh, that would be COVID recovered, suspected COVID recovered, those with immunity, children, pregnant women, childbearing women. We want a big block. And if we can get that big block and break them, if we can break the needle in every arm, then I think it'll be exposed on, on what is the plan for a needle in every arm. You know, I'm sure glad that this is happening in the U.S. right now because it took some time for uh, people to really get going there. Uh, we're in close touch and in close cooperation with the attorneys that you, you we didn't mention any names, but I know you know Anna Garner and Tom Renz who are uh, working on this TRO in Alabama. Uh, of course, we're in close cooperation with CHD, Bobby Kennedy, Mary Holland. And uh, we're also in close cooperation with these people and others in other country, like in on the African continent, for example. And there's some really good things going on right now. The, the, the tragic thing is, though, that uh, here in Germany, I think we have now a rate of vaccination where people have gotten their second vaccination, vaccination uh, so-called vaccination of only 19%. But those who have, uh, those who got their first shot 
uh, are up to close to 50%. And whenever I'm in a cab, for example, talking to the cab drivers, uh, it's very easy to talk with them because they seem to understand much more than many of the scientists and doctors who appear on mainstream media. And uh, they spread the news. But it's more important, I think, and that's what we're trying to do here in Germany and internationally, it's more important to spread the word, to explain to the people, to get out the truth, to explain to them what these shots really do. And I saw an interview with you, which is um, uh, almost uh, mirrored by what your colleagues in, um, in Canada, we spoke with um, Uh, Dr. Roger Hutkinson, we spoke with uh, Professor Luc Montagnier and with uh, Byron Bridle. Uh, no, we haven't spoken to Bry Byron Bridle yet, but uh, everyone agrees this has got to stop immediately. This is excessively, it's monstrously dangerous. Uh, we heard about how pregnant women who got the shots, it appears in their breast milk. And of course, I don't know if you said this or Byron Bridle said this, um, but there are some, some cases of suckling infants um, who suffered bleeding uh, disorders um, and other problems. So this is a monstrous thing that needs to be stopped. And I think everybody agrees on this. Well, we're trying to get to this public health message that can really get the public health attention. So I think it was about a week ago, Harvey Risch and I appeared on Fox News and Harvey Risch did describe the vignette of the woman who got the vaccine and breastfeeding and it killed the baby. Uh, today, um, uh, we have 800 cases of young people developing myocarditis or inflammation yeah. of the heart. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a cardiologist, I have a good clinical authority position here. And, um, and you, you know, I, I'm going to opine that because there's uh, no clinical benefit whatsoever in young people to get the vaccine, that even one case is too many. And the CDC, you know, distributed their slides today and their conclusion is, well, we're going to reevaluate again a little bit later on in June. So our agencies have done nothing to reduce the risks of the vaccine. It's called risk mitigation. And I've chaired uh, over two dozen day safety monitoring boards for the FDA and the National Institutes of Health. And uh, with this program, th there, uh, there is no uh, a critical event committee. There is no data safety monitoring board and there's no human ethics committee. Those structures are mandatory for all large clinical investigations. And so the word that's really used for what's going on is malfeasance, is wrongdoing by those in position of authority. And without any safety um, measures in place, uh, you can see what's going on. We're administering uh, the, the um, basically it's the largest application of um, a biological product with the greatest amount of morbidity and mortality in the history of our country. We, we are at over 5,000 deaths, as you know, uh, I think 15,000 hospitalizations in the EU, it's over 10,000 deaths. We are working with uh, a Center for Medicaid, Medicaid Services, CMS data, and we have a pretty good lead that the real number is tenfold is tenfold. We knew from data from Harvard uh, in 2016 that the vaccine adverse event reporting system only reports about 10% of what's really going on. So we had to get another data source and we have uh, inside people. We have uh, now uh, a whistleblower inside the CMS and we have a whistle, two whistleblowers within the CDC. And, and those are being developed uh, uh, right now. 
um, in order to get this out. So we're looking at 10x. We think we have 50,000 dead Americans, 50,000. Um, so we actually have more deaths due to the vaccine per day than certainly the, the viral illness uh, by far. It's, it's basically, in a sense, it's propagandized bioterrorism by injection. Yeah. And the big question is who's behind this? Uh, the picture is becoming clear. V? Oh, yeah. I have to translate quickly. Um, to Fazin. Uh, yeah. So how many states are without any uh, lockdown or like other, you know, nuisances with regards to the uh, like measures, Corona, anti-COVID? now, right? Yeah, I don't know the numbers, but it's clear that the lead states are Texas and Florida, which is yeah. good. Those are two very big states. And Florida has the most elderly people. Yeah. And so they, they have shown and that's what COVID strikes the most. So we have shown great resilience in these independent states with these uh, governors. I just got the email from Laura Ingram uh, on Fox News uh, to just give you an idea. At least we have one major news station that's with us. Her email says tonight we're going to talk about in a few hours the mistrust in Fauci and the medical elites who do his bidding, the fallout from his emails to do a hydroxychloroquine study that show the drug was unfairly maligned to finally uh, to to um, uh, maligned. Finally, this new concern about heart issues in young men after their second vaccination. The public has very little faith in what we're being told uh, in terms of life and death. So you can see how we have really uh, got, come a long way to get the media, um, at least some of the media now coming with us. What I've learned in this whole thing is we gave up on the scientific publications. We've gave up on these other yeah. things. We have to go straight to the people. Yeah, that is precisely what we think, too. Uh, there's one major medium here in this country which uh, has been critical, um, not overly critical, but critical to a point they have just come out i think yesterday or the day before yesterday um with a story that explains how fraudulently the government the gov our own government uh informed the people about how the uh healthcare system was being overwhelmed when it wasn't they gave us completely false numbers completely false figures uh as far as the um intensive uh, uh care beds are concerned we had many more than they claimed uh and in addition uh, they 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 um they're real financial incentives to keep to 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 keep these beds unoccupied because there's so much money that's being paid to the hospitals uh, hospitals and to the doctors but this is all you know the one good thing about this is this is all coming out into the open so to be able to deal with this and we will because we have enough people who are willing to fight and i think there's many more who who just couldn't bring themselves to come out into the open, but a few of them we just met today, including the doctor uh, who uh, uh, saved that woman whom we interviewed a couple of weeks ago. I think Wolfgang wants to say something. I think Wolfgang wants yes. to ask a question. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I, I have one thing or two things. One is that with the hospitals we have from the from the office from who is controlling the government and how they spend the money, They have they have clear numbers. They say that the clinical in, the clinical uh, care in Germany cost uh, 1.5 billion more than normally than last years, and they have uh, they have eight percent less patients in this in the same time. So they got a lot of money, 
but it was never overloaded the clinical system in Germany. And the other thing I want to tell just you, you speak about bioterrorism. And I was, I'm very, I, I want to distinguish there because you speak about bioterrorism by vaccination. And I think you're right when you say this, but because I, I don't think that there is a dangerous virus on the way now. Because if you, we speak about bioterrorism by, by gain-of-function viruses, I'm, I'm very sure that gain-of-function viruses, if they would spread, they could not spread because they would kill their hosts. And so they, it's, it's a very stupid virus that kills the host. So I, I, would, I would be, uh, I'm, I'm eager to tell the people that they, they needn't be afraid of dangerous viruses that come from some laboratory in, in Wuhan and so that people are not terrified because there's something special. It's just a coronavirus and we are acquainted to coronaviruses, to SARS viruses, better coronaviruses since 20 years. And so our immune system is. So don't be afraid of the virus, but be afraid of the vaccination. The bioterrorism, this is the vaccination and not the virus. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you that the natural immunity will be able to handle the variants as yeah. far as I can see. I'm not predicting another wave. In fact, my last TV appearance, I told America, listen, there's not going to be another wave. And so when I come down, when I talk to America, I'm very positive. I give a very uh, joyous message. I calm down the country. And by doing that, Fauci and the other people can't stand it because they want to promote fear. Yeah. They yes. want to promote suffering and they want to promote this uh, vaccine. And so that's their message. And so uh, we're just the opposite. And, 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 and we agree with you. Mm. Now, what could be happening, it, what could be happening is let's say there's an adversary. Let's just say it's China. They could be dealing at a very high level saying, listen, we do have, uh, you know, C21. Mm. We have the, a more virulent virus and, and we want, you know, favorable trade status or we want other things uh, because they'll say, listen, we showed you what can happen with, you know, the first round. We have something. So there may be a threat, but I agree with you in terms of the natural infection. It will move around. I think it's going to hit Southeast Asia. Mm. It's going to hit some more vulnerable populations. But if we can simply respond with treatment in every case, Mexico City, countries in South America, United States, and now India, every single case, when we crush the curves with early treatment, if we just treat the high-risk patients, by treating patients with multi-drug treatment, we reduce the duration of symptoms, we reduce the spread dramatically, and we reduce hospitalization and death. It's very, very important. The only thing that can do that, vaccination will not do that. Vaccination because the people getting the vaccine have less than a 1% chance of ever coming in contact with the virus. And then when they do, they have a you know way less than 1% chance of even getting the virus. Mm -hmm. It's impossible for the vaccine to have an impact on the epidemic curve. And that's another message we've been getting out to the public because the people promoting the vaccine are gonna claim victory that, um, oh, things uh, worked out in our favor and uh, Brown in Canada and others have done great analyses. It's mathematically impossible for the vaccine to have any impact. The CDC in the United States has recorded 10,000 breakthrough cases, bona fide breakthrough cases where the vaccine failed. And we don't know the denominator, but we knew it was very labor intense. And our read on their action is they were overwhelmed with the number of breakthrough cases. Overwhelmed. They gave up. At the end of May, they gave up. They said, we, we're not going to track any more breakthrough cases. So, yeah, um, and we know, we know that uh, when, the, when uh, the clinical studies were finished, 
with the absolute risk reduction is about around 1%. Yeah. And the others, they were already immune. They, so this is ridiculous. The effect of the, of, the, of the vaccination to protect people is ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. We have data from Cleveland Clinic that just um, published that 50% of people who are already immune, naturally immune, they're still getting the vaccine because they were told by the government to get the vaccine. Uh, we have data from three studies, two in the UK and one in the United States, showing of those who get the vaccine, about 30% are already immune, COVID immune. So you can see how the vaccine is contrived. This whole thing is contrived. It should be very obvious that um, now the CDC has changed the cycle threshold down to lower. Yeah. So they're going to make fewer cases. So it's going to look like things like the vaccine <laughs> saved it. So Maybe the thing about this uh, in bioterrorism injection is why did they make it so toxic right now where so many people are dying? Why didn't they make it uh, more acceptable? Um, because I think what the real payload of the bioterrorism is going to be on the boosters. Mm -hmm. That's what that's what we begin to fear, too. Let me explain why Wolfgang said this, because I the other day I had an interview with Steve Bannon. And um, he uh, he heard me out. He didn't quite agree because it seems that that was news to him. But this is what really happened. And we know this from talking to form to two former uh, WHO employees. Uh, there there was an accident at the Wuhan uh, Institute of Virology. Yes. And the, and the Chinese were really worried about it. And that's why they ordered the person who runs that lab to come back immediately. And even while she was still on the train, they took down their website so as to cover their tracks. So they were really worried. But within two or three weeks, they realized, well, nothing much had happened. However, the other side, as we call them, took this as the springboard as, or as a triggering incident to uh, put uh, that um, agenda into motion, which they had been planning for for at least 10 years. Um, there have been there's probably they've been planning for longer, but for 10 years, we can see there are concrete plans uh, that they've been making. And uh, the, the final, I guess you could call it a dry run, was this event 201, which is really event 21, because the O is, is the Earth, uh, in October of 2019. So that's when they decided, we're going to take this opportunity. And that's when they told Drusten, that's why we were, uh, why we were at this hearing this morning, at the inquiry. Um, that's when then they told Drusten, start your uh, work on your PCR test. He started his work on New Year's Eve, we believe. And uh, a couple of weeks later, on the 22nd and 23rd of January, uh, there was an enormous push probably by the um, pharmaceutical industry on the WHO to finally declare the public health emergency of international concern, because that's what you need in order to get the emergency use authorization in the United States for these vaccines, which are completely untested, or the uh, conditional use authorization here in Europe. And But they couldn't agree on anything because there were no cases. But they did agree on one thing. They're going to have another second emergency meeting uh, two weeks later in uh, early uh, uh, February. 
And that's when they declared the public health emergency of international concern. Why? Because they had been using the Dresden test because he had made this test, this PCR test available to them. And they had pushed it as the gold standard uh, for the entire world, as the gold standard for detecting infections. As we all know, in the meantime, you cannot detect infections with a PCR test. And as we also know, because of the people who, uh, one of the experts is Dr. Mike Yeadon, who I know you're in touch with, and he told us, Uh, if you go up to 35 cycles of amplification, you end up with at least 97% false positives. This guy had his uh, uh, cycles of amplification up to 45. So guess what this is? All false positives. That's why Wolfgang is saying uh, it is not the accident. It is not the dangerous uh, virus that escaped from the, from the lab. It's the vaccinations that we have to be worried about. And it's probably correct. I mean, I can't be the judge of this because I'm not a, um, a medical doctor, but it's probably correct that we really have to be afraid of the boosters. Yeah, well, we, we've learned a lot. You know, you probably have reviewed that autopsy case from Germany just a few days ago uh, that came out. But um, yeah, we've learned that, in, I'm sure you know all this, but uh, we were told by the Salk Institute and by the manufacturers that the lipid nanoparticles and the, the messenger RNA in them stay in the arm. They don't. Yeah. Uh, they distribute elsewhere. Our radiologists know that the, the breast becomes incredibly inflamed in a woman so much that they can't read a mammogram. They've actually changed their mammography criteria, at least in my hospital and I know elsewhere. And that the autopsy showed that, um, uh, in fact, there's a tremendous distribution of, and you, you, you've reviewed it, the spike protein is clearly pathogenic. The gain-of-function mutation, the four amino acid sequence at the furin cleavage joint, you know, there's four domains that code for HIV. We are always wondering why uh, the lymphocyte count is down. The email that went to Fauci that says, hey, Tony, how did you get the HIV coded in there? I mean, you can see that this is going on. This was absolutely by design. Uh, this is a weapon of bioterrorism and to inject messenger RNA or adenoviral DNA and cause an uncontrolled production of the spike protein in the human body is a very, very biologically dangerous proposition. We we don't know uh, what controls how the height of the production of the spike protein, the organs in which it's produced, where it circulates to. We know it causes a unique form of thrombosis, which which is partly hemagglutination because the spike protein attaches to sialic acid residues on red blood cells. Normally, coagulation, the red blood cells are not involved, but here the red blood cells are. We know that, for instance, the Italians have shown that when the oxygen saturation goes down the lungs, it's due to microthrombosis. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine, of course, giving Chinese remdesivir to, to somebody with microthrombosis in the lungs is going to do nothing. And so uh, one person who you may want to talk to, he's kind of flamboyant, but he's interesting. He's got influence, is Steve Kirsch. Steve Kirsch is a millionaire, and Steve Kirsch has offered $2 million publicly to, to say, can anybody show that the CDC, FDA, or NIH has done one single thing correct in the pandemic response? If he can, he'll pay $2 million. And no one, no one has even brought forward, no one's even written him a letter. So, you know, th- this is, uh, it's, it's a colossal blunder and, uh, of course, the news uh, is interested. The news cycle is always um, promulgated by this. But our goal is to take the message to the public to remain impeccable and unimpeachable in our scientific integrity, to always present ourselves uh, uh, very professionally and see if we can win public opinion to have 
a block of people not get the vaccine. And then once that occurs and it becomes clear, I think the other side will be exposed. Yeah. Why did they want this vaccine? Uh, we are seeing safety events like you can't believe. You saw the portal vein thrombosis. I've had that in my patients. Uh, myocardial infarctions, myocarditis. I had a woman yesterday uh, in the office. Her memory was completely obliterated oh. after the vaccine. It's just, it's so uh, disconcerting. So we're filling out these safety events. Um, and um, uh, at some point in time, the public opinion is going to have to turn. We have two big populations that are distrustful in the United States. We have African-Americans at 12%. And we have Hispanics at 20 percent and they're largely not taking the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And we're working with African-American churches and making presentations. And the African-Americans say, we know the government was lying to us. So so th they know um, already. So th that's our plan in a nutshell. I think we're we're really completely aligned. Um, we do need to win big cases, though. Yeah. So Anna, Gar Anna Garner, um, all these people, Mike Rents, we've got to win. I mean, honestly, uh, you think there's fear among doctors? There's fear among attorneys. I am amazed I at how many attorneys are so fearful yeah. that they, yeah. they, don't, they can't even file a letter of intent. In fact, we have one attorney, he made a template, and he goes, here, I'll show you how to file your own letter of intent. Uh. You pay your own filing fee. I said, my God, I'm a doctor. I'm a media person. I'm taking care of patients. I'm publishing manuscripts. Now I have to do my own legal work. I mean, it's really, <laughs> it, it really it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, the the fear that's overcome people. We, uh, is the thing is, on an international scale, I think we're only, only cooperating with a hundred attorneys. I mean, a hundred attorneys in the entire world. There must be many, many more, of course. But we're making progress because of those cases, the ones that you're mentioning, and there's a couple of really big cases that all of us, including the Amer our American colleagues, are working on. I can't uh, tell you the details because we don't want this to be uh, in any way disturbed. But um, but you're right. This is the only way to go by cautiously proceeding in a scientifically correct manner without foam at the edges of our mouths that so that finally we will win public opinion and then we'll expose the people who are behind this. Right. Let, let me tell you where I think there's some distractions and we're wasting our time. And that's on wearing masks. Yeah. So, for, yeah. for instance, I, I mean, if the, it, 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 they would love us to be arguing about masks yeah. While, yeah. They, while they continue to give injections. Right. Right. So uh, I try not to make masks the signature issue. Um, uh, uh, another um, uh, area is um, this extreme view that the disease doesn't occur like a Dolores Cahill. Yeah. I think that's a bit of a waste of time because we have enough information from sequencing. We can see yeah. this nucleocapsid. I mean, we know it's physically there in some cases. We know it's grossly overstated because of everything you mentioned. And we know there's a big cover up at my hospital health system. Uh, for instance, they have now the COVID cases are considered break the glass, meaning they get admitted to closed units. We can't even see what's going on. Um, with them. So they're not open to peer review. We, we're not having open peer review. So we really have due process breakdown with even within um, uh, healthcare. Yeah. And so, uh, but what we want to do is that we want it, we need help. You know, we need help from psychiatrists and Absolutely. sociologists. Absolutely. There is a trance. There are doctors that are telling their patients to, to take the vaccine. Their patients are taking the vaccine and dying in thrombosis and the doctors are 
you know, not do anything. In injecting pregnant women with experimental messenger RNA. I mean, this is like a horror. This is something that would would never occur in good clinical practice, uh, where where um, doctors are saying that they won't see patients in their waiting room unless they get the vaccine. Um, I I think a big target is, and this is my responsibility, is we have to win the doctors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The doctors are a big problem here. Yeah, and we need you right. Um, this is what I said right from the start. This is a huge psychological operation. We need to talk to the psychiatrists, to the psychologists, and they're using um, as their major weapon, they're using the mainstream media in order to indoctrinate people with this panic package, which they uh, invented over many years. Sick people on the other side, definitely very sick well, people. You, you see this Chinese uh, professor from uh, Emory, she gets on CNN and they've gone further. They've linked the vaccine to freedoms. And this has occurred in Europe, I uh, know, yeah. where they said, listen, people need to understand they need to get the vaccine to get their freedom back. <laughs> it was like, wow. Yeah. wow. We know this from the mafia, you know? Yeah. This is just what the mafia does. It's a very, very old method. Yeah. Yeah, still. If you let if you let us protect you, you have to pay a little for this. Everything is okay. If if we are not allowed to protect you, you will see what happens. Well, we, what we're trying to do is most of this is actually just sheer intimidation. Yes. So an example is we have, I don't know, several hundred universities now in the United States declaring that they're going to demand the vaccine. Interestingly, they demand the vaccine for the students, but not for the professors. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the CDC and NIH and FDA, they're not taking the vaccine themselves, which is quite interesting. So, but what, uh, in every circumstance that I'm aware of, they have not written a policy. So for hospitals, they must have a policy and it must be certified and be in the policy library because hospitals in the United States are accredited by the Joint Commission for Hospital Accreditation. Mm -hmm. So these, th there have been no signed policies because they know they can't write a policy mandating an investigational vaccine. You can't have a policy you know, forcing people into research. So if, if an institution, a hospital or university, uh, demands a vaccine without a policy, by definition, that's harassment or intimidation. And so we now have parents filing letters of intent, uh, identifying harassment, and they are filing it with compliance offices, ombudsman's offices. They're uh, filing it with offices that by their charter must take some internal action. So we're making these institutions do an incredible amount of administrative work. We're punishing them for doing this. Uh, the Los Angeles School District backed off. Louisiana State University backed off. We had uh, Texas win at the state and in private employer level. So uh, we, we, we have to continue this effort uh, and, and hopefully the mass psychology starts media or psychological training. When, when I go on, there's no pre preparation. I'm just doing the best I can, but I'm a doctor. I'm not a, a media person. So and I have can one, I say, I have yeah, one I question. Say one, Sorry. I just want to say one thing before I forget. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Bhakti, Dr. Yaden, Dr. Vandenbosch, um, and even Dr. Bridal. Here's the problem. Too long. <laughs> when they do a video, hour and a half, they are completely ineffective in giving their message. Completely ineffective. They need to tailor their message down to one minute or two minutes. Yes. 
And okay, this is, you, I, I, honestly, I, I, the, the, people refer to these videos and they're dead on arrival. Yeah. And not only that, but they're not credible. They don't look credible. Mm. So Bhakti, Laura Ingram had him on one time and Bhakti was sitting there. He goes, if we vaccinate the world, we are doomed like this. And she goes, okay, thank you, doctor. And they just shut him down. <laughs> you can't do that. He has to understand. These people have to understand. The media is very important. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 maybe tonight with Laura Ingram, I'll have one and a half minutes. It's got to be impeccable. The look has to be impeccable and the message has to be short. It's an art to doing this and we need help. You know, Bridal, he shut down. I think somebody threatened him or threatened his child oh. and he shut down. Yeah, it's very, I, some, I, the threat. Um, I want to mention that we're paying attention to who's attacking us. Yes. When I testified in the Texas Senate, I was attacked by a French reporter. French. Why are the French watching Texas Senate? So uh, recently I was very heavily attacked uh, in the media by a Singapore woman and we traced her directly to the Gates Foundation. Uh-oh. So, uh, yeah. That explains yeah, so, the whole story. So we know who is going to be exposed ultimately. Very good. Very good. Yeah, you, that is the thing. We, do, we can't just sit here and weep. We have to fight back. That's the only way to do it. And strong. So yes. what I'm doing is I'm actually taking the moral authority. And I'm challenging who here has a greater amount. I said in a single person. I've seen and examined more patients. I've treated more patients. I've published more on COVID-19. I have the best academic record. I've had the illness myself. My father has had it. I've had a death in my family due to the illness. Who in one single person in the world can say that? Yeah. So I am taking the moral and clinical and ethical and human authority and challenging anybody to, to uh, come after me. Because uh, it, it, the only way to get the other side to back down is to be supremely confident and strong. Supremely confident and strong. Well, I don't like what Bridal's doing right now. He's backing off. Something happened, and then he's backing off. Um, other people, you know, go into fear and hiding. We have to be very, very strong. I abs- Are you born in Texas? Uh, no, I was born in Buffalo, New York. Okay, because you sound like a Texan. <laughs> yeah, I am. I grew up here as a kid. Okay. Um, um, but I'm willing to wear my cowboy boots when I go on the stand. So, um, uh, I used but, to but do no, that. I used to do that when I went to court in Seattle. <laughs> yes, yes, I trained in Seattle. But, but this is very important. Something obviously is going on very wrong in the world. And if we sit by and do nothing... You know, obviously, a lot of people have died. A lot of people are being tortured. I, I am very afraid, based on what we're learning just by the first injections, yes. that they interact with P53 and BRCA, that they could ultimately lead to cancers. They could lead to cancers. We, the Japanese have already shown us the lipid particles concentrated in the ovaries. Could they be sterilizing? If you said this is all a Gates Foundation uh, program to reduce the population, It's fitting pretty well with that hypothesis, right? The first wave was to kill the old people by the respiratory infection. The second wave is to take the survivors and target the young people and sterilize them. If you notice the messaging in the countries, the United States, they're not even interested in old people now. They want the kids. They want the kids, 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 kids. It's such a focus on the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And that's who we have to protect. That's a whole new can of worms that we're going to have to open, but we're going to have to deal with this. You're right. Yeah. So, so I'm going to come on strong tonight about, you know, the kids shouldn't be touched with a needle. We're at 800 cases of heart injury in these kids. Some of them 
it's really pretty significant. It's going to lead to heart failure. And we need to scare parents so hard. Um, You know, in the United States, in one state, they've already put the groundwork that the kids age 12 can accept the vaccine on their own without family um, uh, consent. That's never happened in history. In Toronto the other day, they lured the kids out to get ice cream and they held the parents back and they were vaccinating the kids. Oh, my God. Um, It's really it's terrible. My wife is Canadian and her mother was forcibly vaccinated. She doesn't speak English very well. And um, a healthcare worker came over. There was some type of dispute. And before she knew it, she was injected. She doesn't even know what she got. So it's happening. Uh, I predict that it will come to forcible injection. They're going to take it this far. Um, We're going to stop that. We have to. There's no choice. Uh, but I predict it's coming. It's already happened yeah. in part in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 I guarantee it's happening in places right now. It's probably happened in nursing homes mm-hmm. and other places yes, where people can We know it can. happened in nursing homes. We do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have to stop it. Mm-hmm. And we have to see what's behind it. Is it Bill Gates trying to control the population? Is it the Chinese trying to, uh, you know, pressure for bioterrorism? Uh, you know, is, is it something uh, more malevolent? What to me, what was masterful is the psychological part of this. How did they pull this off from a mass psychology perspective? How did they do this? That's why we have to talk to the psychiatrists and to the psychologists. They have the answers. They have the answers. Mm. Okay. Well, Dr. McCullough, this was both an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's stay in touch. Thank you. And let's stay in the saddle. Yes. All right. Bye bye. Have a great day.